Well, if you just joined in, I'm Edgar King. I, I, I lead the teams here. It's, it's a joy to serve. And um, I think I have, I have grown more as a follower of Jesus as I've served here. And so I'm grateful to you uh, even for allowing me to serve you guys. It's, it's, you know, God is just wise and is beyond what we could imagine. And I realize that I wouldn't have been the follower of Jesus I am today if I didn't get the opportunity to serve you all. And so I'm grateful for that. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me. When I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They're not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me, I sent them into the world. I have sent them. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. The good news is, Jesus is praying for you. The bad news is, you are going to need it. This is Jesus' prayer right before, he, he, uh, right before his death over the disciples and the church. And it's, 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 it's full of history of warfare. Lord, protect them. I have left them in the world and I am coming to you. I protected, protected them while I was here. Now you protect them. Protect them from the evil one. We spent a couple of weeks talking about uh, uh, the enemy of our soul, the devil. And, and then he says, sanctify them by the truth. Last two weeks we were talking about uh, the war and lies. The truth is the way, um, freedom and truth is how we are formed into the, the likeness of Jesus. Now Jesus is praying for protection over his disciples and the church. And he's particularly mentioning the world. My dear friends, if we are in the world and we are at war with the world, we are behind enemy lines. And Jesus has compassion for us because of this. We're left behind enemy lines. But he has faith in the Father. So he prays to the Father, protect them. And, and therefore he knows this is going to be okay. He's left his spirit. We're in him and he's in the Father. So we're in the Father. So he has faith. But he still prays, Lord, protect them. We've been on this series on spiritual warfare, battlefields. And today we start talking about the world. What does it look like uh, uh, to live in our country? What does it look like to live in our county that was recently, oh yeah, our city, right? Because wherever we live in our cultures today, we find ourselves behind enemy lines. When, 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 when you see the word, the world in scripture, it could mean just people or the earth. And in, in, in other uh, cases, it means just the culture of the world, the ways of human beings and, and what they do, and how, we, uh, you know, the, the overall uh, way of life of the world, especially the secular world. So far, we've been making the point that we are at war, we have an enemy, the devil, 
and, and he is at war uh, with God, against God, and his minions afflict, both, uh, afflict uh, us both uh, directly and indirectly, both human beings and nature. This is such an important worldview because if you don't have that in your worldview, then the issues of the world, you start imputing them to you start fighting your friends. You start fighting your family. But, but it's, it's so important to know that we have a different enemy. And what we are seeing are just symptoms of that warfare. Here's an exhortation from Pastor Paul to the church in Ephesus. Uh, chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the enemy's schemes. Not against your friends. But for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Our struggle is not against people. It's so easy because, because we see them, it's so easy to make our struggle against those people. They don't want peace, they want violence, they want trouble, they don't want fair elections. Uh, it's, it's so easy to make our struggle uh, uh, about your neighbor because, they, uh, because uh, they believe differently. They're liberal, or your mom because she's so conservative, she doesn't get how things work nowadays. It's so easy to make it uh, uh, the struggle about your boss because they support Ryla or your brother because of his addictions. It's even easy right now to make it about Russia and China. And those people are like, oh, these countries are antagonistic. Well, thank, thanks to Hollywood. But anyway, sorry, I am getting carried away. <laughs> but this is just in the foreground. This is just what we see. The issues we see are just symptoms of what is going on in the spiritual realm. Your brother is not your enemy. They might sound different. They might vote differently. They might have a different creed. But your sister is not your enemy. So Paul says our, our fight is not against flesh and blood. Uh, and, and instead it's against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. So are we fighting against rulers? Are we fighting against authorities and power, you know, we're fighting against authorities and powers of this dark world? So when, when we say that we're fighting against rulers, does he mean, well, let's make sure Uhuru's government goes down, let's make sure Ruto never gets to power, or, or, or maybe he's, he's uh, uh, is he talking about the collective uh, government, you know, uh, our county government, the government of the city, or is it against the UN and the New World Order uh, agenda, or is it against NATO and the expansionist Ethereum that, you know, Russia claims has caused all this trouble. Or is it against China and their belt and uh, uh, that...
the new realm, our spiritual realm. This realm is just as populated as the human realm. So for example, in the Bible you often find, uh, you'll in a few places find uh, the phrase, uh, the counsel of God or the divine counsel. One, one, one common example is in the book of Job. Before his suffering begins, there's a council that gathers around God. And God seems to even take the advice of none other than the Satan. It's, it's like God is ruling with a group of people he's conferring with. Or in Psalms 82 verse 1, uh, uh, yes, uh, just the entire Psalm, Psalm 82. But I'm just going to read verse 1. It says, God presides in the great assembly. He renders judgment amongst the gods. What is going on here? What is going on here? God among the gods? How many are there? You know, if you, if you know the story of, uh, of Israel's uh, uh, freedom from Egypt, you, you know that this was a battle between Yahweh and the gods of Egypt. Wait, how many are there? And, and what makes us choose the right... Like, who, who is God amongst the gods? Is, is, is he one God amongst the pantheon of gods? What's going on in the Bible? This understanding is key in our fight against the world. Because there's often a lot happening in the middle ground, and that's what I want us to explore. So, I want us to read Genesis 1, 14 through 18. And God said, Let there be light in the vault of the sky, to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years, and let the earth, and let them, what? Let them, let us, oh, yeah, let them be light in the vault of the sky to give light to the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God, uh, God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. Then it was evening, and it was day. That was the fourth day. What's happening here? I, there's a lot more than just talking snakes in Genesis. So, even before this, you already had day and night. Is it just lack of scientific knowledge? Don't... Well, of course, they probably didn't know that the rotations of the earth are in connection with the revolutions of the earth called seasons and day and night. But maybe there's something more going on here. It's not just lack of scientific understanding. I want you to take note of some of that, uh, of some of that language. God created the two great lights and they were made to govern, to rule. That is the same language after God creates human beings it's the same language he uses. And he created human beings to govern and to rule. So the very same, the very same charge that is given to uh, the very same charge that is given to uh, human beings is given to what is what are called the two great lights. Uh, you see, pro this is probably because the sun and the moon were just symbols of way, way bigger things that were being created. Spiritual beings that were being created to actually take charge of the heavenly realm. To actually separate uh, uh, the night and the day. 
to act just like human beings were created to reign and rule, so are these lights, so are these spiritual beings. Um, you know, they, they, uh, uh, God creates out of love just like he created human beings. It was out of love that he created these spiritual beings, and their job was to provide light. Not necessarily in the physical sense, but they were supposed to separate uh, confusion and light to the natural realm, to give direction, to lead. It's like a heavenly bureaucracy. But both are given free will. Free will is dangerous, but uh, because people can choose all sorts of things, but free will is also the only way that true love is possible. Free will is also the only way that true worship is possible. The example I could give is if we have one government in Kenya, but there are 47 uh, 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 county governments. There's some sort of layering. Now let's go to the next scene of the drama. Revelation 12, Revelation 12, 7. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against his angels. And there's a whole description of what goes on there. This is exactly what's happening in the middle ground. So God created uh, spiritual beings, and, and then there's a war in the heavenly realm. There's a war in the middle ground. These creatures rebel, uh, some of these creatures rebel against God. In the heavenly realm, there's a, there's a rebellion. In the middle ground, there's a rebellion. The Satan leads some of his minions uh, into, uh, into rebellion against God. So when we get to the story of Eve, which we, we read the last two weekends, it's a continuation of what's been happening. Remember the lie the enemy tells Eve. You will become like God. What the Satan is, is essentially saying is, you can join this rebellion. You too can join the heavenly council. You too can become like us. So he's led a rebellion, and what is happening with Eve is that there's a, uh, he, he's sort of recruiting human beings into his rebellion. This is why he tells Eve, disobey the command, and you'll become like God, like, like the gods. This is why when we meet Paul, many, many years later after this literature is written, when we meet Paul, he's careful to tell people, we are not at war with people, with other human beings. We are not at war with each other. Instead, there was a rebellion in the heavenly realm, and that's where the, the forces of evil are uh, at play in the heavenly realm. That's where our war is. All these other things we see are symptoms of what's going on in the spiritual realm. Have you noticed that you could change, you could change your entire, we could change our entire parliament and the new ones will behave the very same way the last ones behaved. It's like, it's like parliament itself has a, has a spirit of its own. You know, one, one, one famous member of parliament fought for justice and, and, you know, did such good work and then went to parliament and was never heard of again. Like something happens when you go there. 
You know, the trouble of, of, of oppression of women was not just a, a, a problem in the Lua culture, it was also in the Kikuyu and the Kalenjin and Maasai culture. It's like these cultures have a mind of their own. You move from one to the other, and some of the troubles are just the same. And guess what? It wasn't even, it, it's not even a Kenya problem. You know, the problem with organized religion, you know, you, you switch church and go to another and you find that some, that, that some of the issues are the same. There are spiritual forces behind all these things. So, God created the middle ground, or what Paul later calls the elemental forces. Or what he, in the scripture we just read, calls the, the, the forces of evil in the spiritual realm to help rule over the natural realm and give direction. Sadly, they have overstepped their boundary and are trying to act as if they are God. They're trying to take, they, they tried to take his throne in heaven. They were thrown, they were cast out of heaven. If you continue to read uh, Revelation 12, uh, it says that, and, and, and the devil and his angels lost their place in the heavens. And so what they've been trying, uh, what, what then the devil tries to do is then take his throne, uh, take the throne of God in the hearts of human beings. And sometimes people give themselves to these things as if they were God himself. The way people defend capitalism as if it is God himself. And in equal measure, people worshiping socialism and both sides trying to recruit Jesus, not, not him as king, but they're just recruiting him to use him in their fight. And, and, and Paul saying, but, but, but that's not our fight really. The way people worship their churches and their church leaders and our political leaders. And then we recruit Jesus to power. But if Jesus were here, he'd have voted for, for, for her. And, and Paul is going, no, 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 that's, that's not our fight, really. The way people worship political ideologies in the West and in, in, in Africa, most of Africa, how people worship politi uh, political personalities, they become new idols. And people are sacrificing their family and their faith and everything of the altars of their worship. The way our culture, uh, uh, this younger generation, you know, and, and just this global culture worships sexual freedom and, and, and uh, uh, ideologies around sexuality, they become new gods. Everything is being sacrificed at the altars of these new ideologies. Everything is being sacrificed at the altars of these institutions. And Christianity is just co-opted. It's possible. It's possible, sadly. I, I, it's, it's not true. We've lived this lie until it, 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 it looks true. Today it's possible to be, to be culturally Christian and not follow Jesus at all. There is no concept of that in the Bible. But we've made it possible. Just go to church. Just sing a couple of songs on Sunday. But you don't have to change how you live. You, it, it's like, hey, Jesus, I follow you. I agree with you up until this point. At this point, no, no, I, I really like this. I don't think we agree on this. And, and, and so it's possible to become culturally Christian and not follow Jesus at all. There, there, there are spiritual elemental forces behind religion. 
We laugh at the ancients for worshipping the sun and the moon, but we're doing the same thing. Even in church. Because we're worshipping all these ideologies and political parties and politicians, and these are just symbols that, that are in place, and, and behind them are, are, are spiritual forces that are rebelling against God and trying to act like God. Governments, uh, uh, political uh, uh, and economic ideologies, science, religion, law, all these are symbols. They, they were meant to give life to, uh, to humanity. Tradition was meant to give life to humanity. But now people have worshipped them. Jesus looked at the Pharisees one day and said, the problem with you people is that, is that you have replaced God with the traditions of men and it's possible to do it all over again. Even the church can possibly replace the worship of the Father with the worship of, of, of even worship music itself. It's possible. And, 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 and it grieves the Father's heart. And the propaganda that is, is sold is that now we know better. We do not need God. All the world needs is sexual freedom. All the world needs is democracy. All the world needs is tame religion because ah, too much religious fervor is dangerous. All the world needs is capitalism. All the world needs is media freedom. People worshipping at the altars of symbols that were meant to give light to the world, that have elemental forces behind them. So Paul wants the church, Paul wants you and I, to not again be enslaved by these gods. Like, how do you want again to displace these things like you were before? Here's what Paul is telling you and I. Here's what, here's what Pastor Paul it would, would say to Trinity Vineyard. Be careful how you engage with the world, how you engage with politics, how you engage with economics, how you engage with sexual, sexual ethics, how you engage with religion, how you engage with governance, how you engage with the media. Be careful how you engage with all these things. Let us be aware that there are elemental forces behind them. Our fight is not with that journalist you don't like. Let us be aware that the elemental forces behind them in rebelling against God, no matter what name your political party comes with, even if they come with God's peace for Kenya political party, be careful how you engage with them. And when we get enslaved in, 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 in all of this, we take part in the rebellion against God. We become exactly what we see Eve doing. It's like, oh, I think it is what? Oh, I think it pleases me. What, what, what we're told is that Eve saw that it was, it was good for food. I like that it fulfills my desire. And then, oh, and, and it, was, uh, 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 it was good for gaining wisdom. Ah, this must be better. Those people didn't know enough. And we keep saying the same thing. So be careful. It's not that there isn't a lot more known today, but be careful. So how do we fight? Galatians 4. Oh, no, no. So before you go there, why would God even put these things in place? Or did God put these things in place? So Galatians 4. What I am saying to you, as long as an, an heir is under age, 
different from a slave. Although he owns the whole estate, the, uh, the heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the set time by his father. So also, when we were underage, we were in slavery, in, in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of this world. But when the time had, come, had fully come, God sent his son, son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we may receive adoption into sonship. Because you are his sons and daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer slaves, but God's child. And since you're God's child, God has made you also his heir. So here, here is the idea that, that, that at some point we needed those. It was, better, it was better to have these things in place, religion, tradition, government, all these things, uh, 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 than fall into chaos. But at the right time, we, you know, we are God's image bearers. His, his, his design has always been that we will rule, along, rule alongside him. But we needed inter, intermediates before our maturity. This is what Paul is saying. I think that's why uh, you see this, this, uh, this spiritual realm created to, to guide uh, nature. It's, it's the... Uh, what Paul is saying is a version of, well, it's exactly this, but it sounds different when I say it this way. When a rich parent dies, and then uncles of the child are coming as guardians, and they're supposed to take care of the child and, and, and the property until the, the child is ready to do it on their own. Sadly, we know, we all know one or two people here, at the very least, who the story didn't go as planned. This uncle started selling a piece of land there, started selling uh, uh, properties there. This is, they, they stopped acting in the good interest of the, of the child. This is exactly what happened with the elemental forces. They were created for good, because God creates good. Then they rebelled against God and started acting against our good. So after the right time, Paul says, Jesus is revealed. Jesus comes and wins the battle. He is our king, leading us against battle, uh, against the elemental forces. He's our prince, but he's won the battle already. This is the first Sunday of Lent, and I, I said this is our Lent season as we walk towards Easter. And, and, and we're walking towards the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And, and uh, the church for generations looked at the death and resurrection of Jesus as Jesus gave him victory. On that cross, Jesus won the battle. So this is what we're heading towards. Here's how Paul puts it in Colossians 3.15. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Paul is telling this same story in different letters. That you see, all these powers that have traumatized human beings, that have, Jesus has won against them, he didn't just win the battle, he's made a public display of them. He's shamed them. Here is the good news. The spiritual, the elemental forces of evil have lost. So we can be behind.
behind enemy lines, but know that we are victorious. The middle ground has been disarmed. All the kingdoms of the world have become the kingdoms of our God. Why not call the band back on stage as we finish? So although we are behind enemy lines, we stand in Jesus as sons and daughters victorious because he has won the victory. Right uh, Before Jesus' death and resurrection, uh, he, he, he would say, all authority on earth has been given to me. A massive difference after his resurrection, he said, all authority on, uh, in heaven and on earth. This is why Paul writes later, Jesus has defeated the elemental forces of the heavenly realm and made a public spectacle of them. He's referring to Jesus' words, all authority on, uh, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He has won the victory. So the question is, how do we fight while we are still behind enemy lines? 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. For though we live in the world, for though we live in Nakuru, for though we live in Kenya, for though we live in a war-torn world, for though we live in a world that worships under the altars of different colors, for though we live in the world, we do not war, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You are behind enemy lines. You will engage with the world. You will engage with politics. Kenya is, is having, uh, we're having our general elections this year. You will engage and I encourage you to engage. You will engage in, 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 in all sorts of things in the world. Tradition, in our culture, in ideology. But we must engage uh, with all this through God's Spirit. Looking at every idea through the lens of Jesus Christ. Paul says our job is to demolish arguments, to demolish ideas. The last two weeks we've been saying the enemy uh, traffics in ideas, traffics in lies. So our job is to demolish every idea that tries to put itself up above the knowledge of God. And you will meet them. You will meet them in our culture, you will meet them in our politics, you will meet them in our governments, you will meet them in our traditions, you will meet them in religion, you will meet them in church, you will meet ideas that are trying to set themselves up above the knowledge of God, and we are supposed to demolish them. Now, the, the kicker is, I don't know if it's the kicker, but, but the, the truth is, some of those ideas will be interesting to you. You will like some of those ideas. It's not a question of your preferred sexual ethic. It's not a question of, of your preferred political party. It's not a question of your preferred way of living. The, the, the whole thing is we will meet ideas and if any of them is, is trying to set itself up against the knowledge of God, we bring them down. 
And as, as he finishes, he says, take captives. It's, it's warfare language. You take captives of enemy capacities. Take captives of every thought. And thoughts come to us. Whether from inside you, or from what you're hearing on radio or TV. I don't know if anyone still listens to radio. When, when thoughts are coming along uh, to us from the world, Paul says, take captive of every thought and make them obedient to Jesus. The question isn't whether the world will have ideas. The question is whether we choose to say, Jesus, what do you think of this? When the world says this is the way to go, what will it work? Take captive of that thought and ask Jesus, what do you think of this? Sometimes these ideas will be falsehoods against your identity. I spent yesterday uh, uh, for my Sabbath uh, sitting and, 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 and I, I just realized that God already talked to me about life I'd believed about my identity. And actually just it sprung up, that conversation sprung up in the last two weeks as we've, as we've stood here. I, I, I realized I really struggle when people ask me why I talk the way I do. And so that came up in my time with Jesus yesterday. There are lies I've believed about my identity. And so the invitation is to take captive of every thought and make them obedient to Jesus. While you are in the world, you will not fight like the world. You will fight with both spirit and spirit. Why don't you stand as I release it? I'm sorry we went a bit long. The band is going to continue in worship and you are invited, you, you're free to just be in your Father's presence. And I would encourage you to spend a bit of time. Maybe there are certain thoughts that have come to mind now. Will you ever be free of this addiction? Will you, will you ever make it? Do you mean anything? Or even just think you've believed about what is right and wrong, and maybe they've come up now. Why don't you spend some time just taking them captive and asking Jesus, what do you think about this? But as I release you, you're free to go if you need to. There's tea at the back. And so please have a cup of tea. Say hi to someone. Um, and we'll see you again next week. So Lord, we are so grateful that because Jesus is king and he has inherited all the kingdoms of the world and you have made us heirs with him, how could this be? How could it be that you'd create us a little lower than the gods, yet crown us with glory and honor? How could this be? So Lord, we receive our identity. We receive our identity as your sons and daughters. And now I ask that your spirit break off every lie that's held on to us. For the lie that is tearing our chests apart about our family about what's good and what's bad, about our nation. We, we just ask you to tear those wounds down and give us truth, whisper truth to us now, even as we just spend a bit of time in your presence.
bless you now to go into this city, to go into the world and remember the words of Jesus, that as the Father sends him into the world, he sends you. And remember that you are not any more of the world than he is. I bless you that the Holy Spirit will remind you of Jesus' encouragement when he finished his prayer and said, Take courage, I have conquered the world. And I pray that you will begin to see victory as you live for Christ in your culture, in your family, in this town, in your working culture, in your schooling environment. I bless you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.